I'm glad you're here tonight. For a little while, I'm going to have to be conscious of the clock tonight because I have enough material here to bore you to tears or bring you to repentance, one of the two. (laughs) I have been trying for two years. You don't want to hear this, but I've been trying for two years to preach on this text. And every time I've tried to go to it, I just couldn't get my hands around it. And I'm not sure I have it tonight, but I think I do. Second Peter chapter 1. So I have two years worth of material. I'll try not to give it all to you at one time. Reminds me of a joke I heard about a young preacher candidate that was trying to learn how to handle himself in the ministry. And he was asking an elderly man one time, he said, well, what do you do when you only have a few show up for church? I mean, it's easy to preach to a crowd, but when you only have a few, he said, well, let me ask you this. You, you own a horse. Does, does your horse, even though it's the only one in the field, want you to ever come out and say, well, there's just one of you, so I'm not going to feed you today. You bring him the best bale of hay you can, and you just feed it to him. And the guy thought, that's great advice. And so he went to his service the next Wednesday night, and it was a poor crowd, and he preached for two hours. When he got through, he noticed that the elder had his head hung a little bit, He went by and he said, well, what did I do wrong? He said, well, I wouldn't have fed them the whole bale all at one time. (laughs) Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things. Everybody say all things. All things that pertaineth unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, that by these, what these? These promises that God's given to us, that by these we might be partakers, that we might become participant in his divine nature. Goodness gracious. That's awesome. That because of what he has promised. If we can appropriate that. If we can lay hold of that. It will empower us. And enable us. Make us partakers. Of the divine nature. And helping us to escape the corruption that is in 
the world through lust. Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never, never, never fall. That's a bold statement. Never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, everybody say wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about building blocks to a better you. There's a new and improved version of you just waiting to be Unwrapped. Is there anybody here tonight that would like a new and improved version? Turn to your neighbor and say, get ready. You're fixing to see a new and improved me. Some of you didn't take me too seriously right then, but I'm serious as I can be. Amen. Building blocks to a better you. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Permit me, if you will, just a moment to read this passage again from uh, one of the the new translations. And it's called the NCV version. Um, But let me read it real quickly. And then we're going to get started. He said, From Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to you who have received a faith as valuable as ours, because our God and Savior Jesus Christ does what is right, grace and peace be given to you more and more, because you truly know God and Jesus our Lord. God has given us blessings. He has the power, or Jesus has the power, or or we have been given the power of God, which, by which we are given everything that we need to live and to serve God. We've been given everything that we need to live and serve God. 
We have these things because we know him. Jesus called us by his glory and goodness. Through these things, he gave us the very great and precious promises. With these gifts, you can share in being like God, and the world will not ruin you with its evil desires. Because you have these blessings, do your best to add these things to your life. To your faith, add goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, patience, and to patience, service for God, and to your service for God, kindness to your brothers and sisters in Christ, and to this kindness, add love. In all these things are in all these, if all these things are in you and growing, they will help you be useful and productive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But anyone who does not have these things cannot see clearly. And he is blind and has forgotten that he has, made, has been made clean from his past sin. My, my brothers and sisters, try hard to be certain that you really are called and chosen by God. If you do all these things, you will never fall. Never fall. And you will be given a very great welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. You know these things and you are very strong in the truth. But I will always remind you of them. Amen. Amen. A new and improved you. Uh, researchers have discovered that though you cannot improve on some products, they have learned that if you can repackage it and put new and improved on it, people will buy it. If you don't believe that, how many of you eat Doritos? They were one of the largest companies in America a few years ago that went on a great campaign to not change their product because they felt like they had one of the best chip products on the market and they had such a variety. But what they did was they went in and repackaged it and they put it in a new, more colorful bag and they put new and improved and their sales skyrocketed because we like new and improved. Nobody likes old and wore out. Amen. We want new and improved. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you ever feel in your own private moments that you have not reached your potential in God or in life? You ever have moments when you just talk to yourself and and, and you try to uh, remind yourself that you can do better than this? Would anybody like a new and improved version of you? I know somebody sitting around you might, but what about you? Because it doesn't matter what they want. If you don't want it, you've got to do more than want it. 
you've got to be willing to do what it takes to get it. You're going to have to deal with the same old stuff. And I want to tell you up front that what I'm talking about is not in a diet. And it's not in an exercise. So it's ought to relieve the stress. I'm not going to tell you to go home and, and read a certain book. I'm just going to give you some things tonight that I promise you, according to what I just read, if you do them, you will see a new and improved you. Your wife or your husband will see a new and improved you. If I told you that there was a better you just waiting to be unfolded, a you that is, listen to me, unconquerable, unbeatable, unstoppable, invincible, indomitable, indestructible, unbreakable, undefeatable, would you be willing to take the venture? Now, everything that I just mentioned to you is implicated in the scriptures that we just read from. Because the words that Paul or Peter used in talking about the experience that had come to their lives and the transformation that had come, he talked about it in terms in the Greek language that were so powerful that they literally was conveying this message to them that if you will do these things, you will never fall. You will never be defeated. You will never be conquered. You will never be overwhelmed. You will never be uh, weak and, and you will never stumble. That if you will do these things, that you will grow and virtually your life will become indestructible. That no matter what life throws at you or brings against you, you bec- you're unbreakable. Wouldn't it be great to be in a place where life couldn't break you? Well, there is. Believe it or not, according to Scripture, there's a place, and I'm going to prove it to you if you'll just bear with me a few moments, but a place that's enduring, that's persistent, that's durable, that's stable, that's steadfast, that's unyielding. Is anybody interested in that? A life? That even though you may get knocked down, it pops right back up and it keeps right on going. That even when life deals you the severest kind of blow, you're betrayed, you're left, people walk away from you, all of that that can happen that is bad in life, and yet it has no way of reaching you because There's something in your life that has been developed and nurtured that repels that and will not let it destroy you. It may knock you down, but it won't knock you out. It may bruise you, but it won't kill you. And I'm here tonight to tell you that if that sounds like something that you're interested in, then you need to pay real close attention. Because what I'm talking about, an unconquerable life, 
an undefeatable life, a persistent life, a durable life, a stable life, a steadfast life, an unyielding life, an indestructible life, an unshakable life is not a fantasy. It's a fact according to the scripture that I read. It's a reality that we can experience. Now, when Peter started writing this second letter, he, it, it's one, this first chapter to me is one of the most rich wells to pull from in all of the New Testament. And he begins by simply reminding them of who they were, that they were redeemed, that they were the purchased possession of Jesus. He reminded them of all that God had done in their life, transforming them and what all that meant to their life and what it had brought in. And he bestows on us all things that are necessary for life and faith. And he tells us what that life is going to look like and what it will be like. And he enables us to live as we ought to live. He talks about the blessings of grace and peace. What a wonderful combination of things that can be experienced in life. Grace and peace. God's favor and that calmness of spirit that no matter what happens, it doesn't rankle your feathers. It doesn't disturb your life. He is given to us the ability to escape the corruption of the world and to live the best life, the blessed life. And he reminds us in this text of God's great generosity. I I love, this is probably one of my all-time favorite scriptures. I didn't know my brother was going to be here tonight, but he's one that helped me fall in love with this particular verse But when he talks about in verse number 3 that according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So physical life and spiritual life. When we submit ourselves to his word and his will for our life, he is not going to just bless me spiritually He is going to bless my life physically. He's going to bless me in my relationship. He's going to bless me in every aspect of my life. And and it says he has given unto us all things. I love that. All things. Not some things or a few things, but all things. Can anybody define all to me? What does that mean? Everything. Everything. Somebody say everything. Not just a few pointers, but everything that I need that pertains to life so that I can live my life to its fullest potential and that I can reach my fullest potential spiritually. All of those things he has given to us and he has given us exceeding and precious promises. Now, I love the word exceeding because it means above and beyond anything you can imagine or even think. Amen. And so he is telling us that God is good to all of us. 
He's better to us than we deserve. And he is a God of great generosity. He is the God that if you ask bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask meat, he's not going to give you a scorpion. And Jesus went on to say, if you, being an earthly father, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to you? God is not in the business of trying to make my life miserable. He's in the business of trying to elevate me and help me reach my potential. And however some people get the warped idea that living for God is a drag and, and, and you've got to give up so much. You know what, folks? I haven't given up anything in my life that, uh, that was of any value or any worth. I haven't had to give up one thing that really helped make me a better person. Now, he would ask me to give up my sin, but sin's not helping me be a better person. And so he has given to us exceeding great and precious promises because he's such a good God. Amen. He's a good, good father. Amen. And he reminds us in this setting of our opportunity. An opportunity to avail ourselves of something that's almost mind-boggling. And that is the opportunity to participate, to partake of his divine nature. That we can live in such a way that we become more and more like him. And more and more of his attributes and character are seen in us than of any fleshly or human character that would degrade us. That we are partakers. We escape the corruptions of this world. He faces our reality that we are weak and we are flesh, but he sets no limit on what my potential can be. You may have started out there, but you don't have to stay there. You may have been shapen in sin, born in sin and shapen in iniquity, but you don't have to remain in that hog wallow. There's an opportunity in God to get out and to move up and to move in the very best life that could be imagined better than anything that Wall Street could imagine, better than anything that Tiffany's of New York could imagine, better than anything that Nordstrom's or Sackwood's Fifth Avenue could imagine, better than anything the elite of the world could come up with. God has a plan to make me the best that I can be. Amen. And here are the virtues and the qualities that he sets before us. He lays out a path for every one of us to be a better person. And here's how to live up to your potential. Are you ready for it? Buckle your seatbelt because you're going to need it over the next few minutes. He, He gives us how to live up to our potential And to see the new and improved you. The new and improved me. The virtues and the qualities and the assets that are needed. He said if they be in you and abound. They will make you that you are never barren. Unfruitful. That you never fail. 
Ah, what a promise. I mean, we can't, some of us are listening to that and we can't even believe what our ears are hearing because we've never known anything like that. We've known barrenness. We've known unfruitfulness. We've known frustration. We've known aggravation. But God said, if you'll just listen to me and you'll get hold of these things and really understand what I gave them to you for, they will bless you and your life beyond anything you can imagine. You know what I've discovered about some people in living for God? They're always looking for something else. They're always looking for something more when the reality is it's already in you. Now, obviously, I want more of God and I want more of His Spirit, but the reality is that what's in me is already enough. To help me to become the man that God created me to be and not live down to a lesser level or let life dumb me down to some life that this is just the way it is. I'm just born with these habits and I have these weaknesses and the reality is that's all a lie. It's a lie manufactured by hell to keep me trapped. In my life and in in my way of living, so that I don't reach out and embrace the fact that there is a divine continuum. That if I will connect myself with God's plan and God's purpose, that there will come out of me virtues and qualities that will make me indestructible. And here's how you reach your potential. Are you ready for it? Number one. The way to a new and improved you is in understanding, first of all, that the potential is in you. Now, that may not seem like much to you, but the more I have thought about that today, the more I realize that that's really the beginning point, that if you will never rise above what your mind tells you you can be. You will never escape that image that your mind has. And so it doesn't matter what God might say about me. If my own flesh is telling me something else, my flesh is going to keep me trapped and keep me away from what God is saying about me. And so the first thing that I have to do is understand that I can improve. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you know what, you can do better. Oh, I'm going to get personal tonight. You can do better. But you've got to understand that it can happen before it will happen. You've got to understand that where the better begins is right here in understanding that a better can be had. There are some people that are of the opinion that this is as good as it gets. And that's not the way God wants me to look at my life or you to look at your life. Understand where a better you begins. It it begins with you looking at yourself and saying, you know what? You can do this. You can 
rise up. You can overcome. You can be better than this. You can put that behind you. You can be better. God sees a picture in your life much like he saw in others of old. He saw a prince with power in a weasel by the name of Jacob. And he saw a preacher in a man that we would have discounted as just a filthy-mouthed fisherman. And he saw a king in a boy who wasn't afraid to fight the giants that came out in his life. Never discount what God says about what you can do and what you can be. And never discount God's word. God's work in you and in me, his will is to do of his good pleasure. That's what the scripture says. That God's work in me is to do of his good pleasure. And his good pleasure is to give me the kingdom. He wants to give it all to me. He didn't want me just to come up to the table every once in a while and sit and eat with him. He wants me to live in it. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, living like a king's kid. Remember that? Thinking, reminding yourself of who you are. Your life may be trying to tell you one thing, but don't ever forget what God has already said about you. God has made some bold statements about all of us that there's a better person inside of each of us and I haven't reached my potential yet. And I'm trying to get a hold of that because I will be honest with you, as you get older in life, you get lazy. Now, I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about me. But you get lazy. You just think, well, if I've lived like this this long, I'll just keep living like this. And you make everybody around you miserable. And you frustrate God's purpose in your life because there's a better you that's still inside of you. I don't care what you know about God. I don't care how long you've lived for God. I don't care how many times you've talked in tongues and how many times you repented. I'm just here to tell you that wherever you are in God, there's something higher that God's trying to take you to. And you must never discount that. There's a possibility. And I, need, I can't let laziness. I can't let, well, you know what? I've lived like this so long. I wouldn't know what to do with the new me. Hey, give us a try at least. Let us find out. Let God find out what a new you And so you have to understand that the potential, you can do better. You can improve. You can conquer. You can overcome. You can put those things. You can defeat that attitude and that spirit. You can do all that. You you can. Amen. And you've got to learn how to respond to God's promises concerning you. Well, no, God, I I really don't feel that way about myself. You know what? It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. If God says that you're more than a conqueror, why don't you embrace what he's saying instead of what your mind's telling you? 
Because your minds can be corrupted and it can be affected by the things of this world. God's trying to free me from that corrupted mind and show me that if I will just respond to his promises, that if I will just respond to what he's saying about my life, about my family, about my future, that he will lift me up to a higher place. That people will look around in a few days and say, man... What in the world has happened to her or him? I'll tell you what's happened. They begin to respond to God's word and his promises concerning them. And instead of arguing with God or coming in and beating ourselves down, that, and I'm, I'm guilty of this like anybody. I'm, I'm not worthy, Lord. I'm not worthy. You know what? This has nothing to do with whether we're worthy. None of us are worthy. We're only here by the grace of God. We're only here because he loves us. We're only here because he cares about us. And so none of us are here. We're here because God saw something in me. Amen. God doesn't make junk. And God doesn't make mistakes. We may name it a mistake, but God doesn't make a mistake. He said of Jeremiah, I knew you while you were still in your mother's womb. I knew you before you were fully formed. And the word knew means he understood his potential and he saw what Jeremiah was going to be even when he was a tiny little infant. And if God would say that about Jeremiah, I believe he'll say that about you and I, that he saw us before we were even fully formed. And he not he didn't just see me like I'm looking at you, but he saw my potential. He saw my capabilities. He, he put inside of me the, the things needed to become that beautiful example of what grace can do. Amen. So number one. Everybody say, number one, you've got to embrace and understand the potential that's in you. You say, no, Brother Hughes, I'm broken. I'm too broken. There's nothing that's too broken for God. I love the song that they sang Sunday. There's nothing too dirty that he can't save. There's nothing too filthy. There's nothing too messed up that God can't redeem and restore and make what it was designed to be there's nothing 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 so it doesn't matter you say well i've just made too many mistakes you haven't made enough mistakes for god not to be able to help you and you have not stumbled enough that god can't help you so you have to embrace the understanding that you do have the potential number two and i'm skipping to the last portion of our reading tonight, but you, if you're going to reach your potential, if you're going to find the new and improved you, you're going to have to not be sabotaged by short-sightedness or laziness if you're going to be a better you. Now, what do you mean by that? I mean, if you go read verse 8 through verse 11, he talks about don't be short-sighted. I've looked at that verse many times and I've tried to understand it and I think I understand that he means don't make a permanent eternal mistake over some temporary issue in your life. That when you go through life, 
You have to understand that this moment does not define who you are. What you are going through right now does not define who you are. You cannot be so short-sighted that you sell yourself to that idea that that's just as good as it's going to get for me. And he said it. He spoke it to them. He, he said, for if these things be in you and abound, and they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge. Verse 9, he said, but he that lacketh these things is blind. One translation said he is he, 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 he cannot see and he is short-sighted. He cannot see afar off. All he can see is right here, right where I'm at, what I'm going through, the mess that I'm in right now. And when you can't see beyond the mess you're in, you'll fall prey every time to the lies of the devil that this is, this is it. You can't ever break this habit. But you cannot be short-sighted and you cannot be lazy if, there, if there's going to be a better you. There, there, there's a long list of things that can be used to excuse a person But hear me tonight when I tell you that a new and improved version of you, many of us want it, we just don't want the cost connected with it. We would like to buy something we could rub on us at night when we go to bed and when we wake up in the morning, poof, here we are. Sweet, kind, loving, generous, long-suffering, patient. Folks, there's no liniment I can give you. There's no potion I can sell you. Although there's a lot of them on the Internet that would be glad to tell you they could. It's not a pill that you can take. Amen. That's being short-sighted. That's trying to get something for nothing. You know what I've discovered about life? There's a lot of people that will... Go along for the ride as long as I'm paying for it. But as soon as they start having to pay for it, oh, oh, I don't need anything now. There was a situation in a board meeting one time, and and they were going around asking the men how many rooms they needed for a conference. And men said one, they'd say one, two, and they come to this one guy. He said thirteen. And district board, uh, the press, uh, the superintendent looked at him and they. 13? He said, yeah, 13. Well, after the meeting was over, one of the other men said, brother, I think they think you're paying for these. He said, oh, no, I'm not. He said, I'm telling you. And sure enough, they thought, and they did get them paid for. Well, the next time that situation came up, same thing. They went around the room. How many? I need one room, two rooms. They got to that guy. He needed 15 rooms. And the guy stopped. He said, hold on a minute, brother. He said, I want you to understand, we're not paying for these rooms. He said, oh, that way, I don't need any. I, 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 don't, no, I don't, and that's the way people are in life. When it comes to, you know, you mean I'm going to have to change? Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, you might have to change. You mean I'm going to have to do something? I mean, you're going to have to do something. Do you mean I might have to put a little effort out to have a new me? Oh, now we're done. Let's go back and start over, Brother Hughes. Can we rewind this? I'll take my hand down because I'm not interested now. (laughs) You know, 
if we are going to become what God says we can become, we have to see that it's possible. But we also have to be willing to do whatever we've got to do to make it happen. And not be short-sighted. I don't have to be bound or addicted to bad habits. You can reach beyond it. You can lay hold of something that will help transform your life. Don't make a permanent mistake over a temporary issue in your life. And don't sacrifice life for now. You say, there's no shortcuts. Everybody say that. There's no shortcuts. There ain't no free lunch. Yeah, Brother Hughes, <laughs> I'm feeling heavy all of a sudden. I know. That's why a lot of people are still stuck. That's why they're just as good as they are, but not any better. Is because they are of the opinion that if it's not a quick fix... I mean, this has got to be something you can do in 30 seconds. We have to have 15-minute sermons now. I wish I could preach a 15-minute sermon, but I'm already over time right now. But you're going to have to understand there's no free lunch. It's going to cost you something. If you want to be better, it's going to cost you. And the third thing, and I'm going to close because I don't have time to go into all. I wish I did. I'd I'd really rattle your boat tonight. Uh, The... the things that Paul mentioned. But the the third thing that I noticed when I read this scripture setting again is that if you are going to have a new and improved version of you, you're going to have to make sure you add the right stuff. People are constantly adding to their life. We got so much going on in our life right now. We are so busy. We don't even know how to pay attention. We got so much here, so much there. And people are of the opinion that the more that they do, the more it will help them become a better person. And life becomes filled with clutter. And there's a whole lot of stuff going on. But not all of that stuff is going to get me where I need to be. Now, We think that the more that we have to do, the better we become. And the reality is that is not so. Because not all things are created to help you get where God wants you to go. But your life and my life both can fill up with so much stuff that we get bogged down in the stuff. And we got a lot of stuff going on, but it's not the stuff needed to help get us where we need to be. And so we have to make sure we have the right stuff. That means we've got to have a, 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 an ability to discern. Is this going to help me? Is this going to make me better? Is this going to improve my life? Am, am, am I really going to want the end result of this? Or is this just another thing to get me all bound up and tied up and and not really be anything different next year than I am right now. So we have to put the right stuff in there. You've got to add the right ingredients. And he names them. Faith. Can I just go through them real quick? Faith. Courage. Virtue means courage. Develop knowledge. 
uh, self-control. Oh, man, I, I wish I had time. Steadfastness, endurance, perseverance, staying with it, daily suffering, hard and difficult things, but going on anyway. Godliness, the ability to look in two directions, God and man, and to keep a life in balance between those staying in right relationships in both areas. Brotherly affection, allowing nothing to separate you from those around you. Being easy to live with, not condescending, not critical, but staying in touch with people. He, he says, if you do these things, and I, I'm, I wish I had time, but he said, if you do those things, they will make you that you will flourish, you will abound. There will be a, a, a new you come out of all that. Amen. Now, you're not going to get anywhere without them. You're not going to get anywhere without them. Self-control is the ability to get a grip on yourself. And some people, that's all they really need to do tonight is just get a grip on themselves. And some people, they need to be willing to invest on a better you. Amen. You've got to develop knowledge. That's what Paul or Peter was talking about. You've you got to spend some time. You can't just lay around and, and say, well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. You've got to, you've got to apply yourself. You, you've, got to, you've got to stretch your mind. You've got to stretch your faith. You've got to look at yourself and say, you know what? You can do this and get up and do it. And not wait for God to have some earthquake experience where you are transformed and taken out of here and you, you suddenly one day arrive and you're this new person. Amen. You've got to get enough knowledge. You know why people change? People change because they hurt enough they have to or they learn enough they want to. Now, you're going to change one way or the other. Now, the change with the hurt doesn't always make you better. But the change with the knowledge will always elevate you. That's why we can never take this word as just an old book because it is a living organism. It's a living word. It's powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, down to the very marrow, the very core of your bone structure. And not only that, but it is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. That's what this word is. So that's why when you read this word one day, it says one thing, and you read that same verse the next day, and it says something else. It hasn't changed. It's just being a live word to you that in that moment, this is what you needed, and in this moment, this is what you needed. And so this word is never an out-of-date book. And you say, well, it doesn't fit our culture. It's not supposed to fit our culture, folks. It never will fit our culture. But if you want to just be what you are, just stay in your culture. If you want to be better, you start embracing what this book says and taking that book and reading it 
and letting it digest into your spiritual system and begin to speak to your heart and say, you know what, I can be that. I can do. I can. I can bite my tongue. I can bring my spirit down. I can break that attitude. Amen. Let's stand. A new and improved you.